Welcome to Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck and co-host Reverends Bill Holton and Cher Holton. Discover practical applications to bring 21st century metaphysics to work in your life. Here's your host, Paul Hasselbeck. Welcome to another edition of Metaphysical Romp 2. This is the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck having another beautiful day in my consciousness. And so are my friends. Hi, friends. Hi, this is Reverend Dr. Cher Holton, and I'm here at the Durham end of our wonderful virtual kitchen table. And it's another beautiful day in my consciousness. Don't want to forget that. <laughs> and this is Reverend Dr. Bill Holton, and I'm also at the Durham end of our table. And it is very definitely another beautiful, beautiful day in my consciousness as well. And as you guys know, Cher and I are the co-founders of an online unity ministry, a hybrid unity ministry, and our name is the Unity Center for UniversalProsperity.com. And we spell universal, Y-O universal, because it's about your spiritual growth and welfare in your human experience. It is all about you. And you can get to us very quickly if you go to the letters U-C-F-Y-P, Dot com. And when you go to UCFYP.com, you will be exposed to an incredible amount of wonderful material that will help you with your spiritual growth and development. You'll get a link to our academy that's online and you'll see our schedule of what we're doing. Yay. And I have my website. I make it easy for you. It's called paulhasselbeck.com. Wow. Yeah. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that's where I have my calendar as well as the absolute word, my weekly blog, which is based on Sunday messages of the Unity's daily word. And so we are now in part two of an article we're looking at, do these things to become a mentally unbreakable person. Do these things to be a mentally unbreakable person. We started last week, and you can go back to last week's program to pick up on these topics. We're just going to name the topics, and then we're going to go on from there. So the first one we looked at last week was change the meaning of discomfort. And then from that, we went to don't expect life to be an equality utopia. And the third one is use this simple tactic to reduce stress. And you'll have to listen to learn what that tactic is. Yeah, and physically work out to exercise the mind. And that brings us to this week. So we have even more to share this week of ways that you can be just mentally unbreakable, which is an interesting phrase. We're going to start with get your finances sorted. And here he talks about how this is quirky and it's on everybody's mind when you be, if you be really honest, money. And no matter how little or how much you have, it seems like it's still on your mind. Money is still an issue. Well, what's interesting? It's certainly on my mind. So, <laughs> yes. so it's got to be on other people's minds. And what's interesting is they, the writer actually said money is on most people's brains. <laughs> and it, it's interesting that he used that terminology because, however, it's on your mind, and if it's on your mind, it's it affects your brain's physiology. So perhaps that's what he meant. <laughs> yeah. So there's an example where the word brain is using is being used more like consciousness, and yeah. we're on a little campaign to separate those out, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. And this is 
This particular one, I'll, I'll share what he says, but I don't necessarily, I think it's he's right, but I think there's more to it than that. And I do think there's a lot of spiritual being financially, being in a state of financial freedom is where we stand on this, which is an inner game, not an outer game. Yes. Because his technique is, he says, the way to solve the mental stress of money is to make more money. Duh. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) And he says the goal is to create multiple income sources. It's why many experts say your second source of income transforms your psychology. And he is correct. But keep in mind context. He is an entrepreneur who has he's online. And this is Tim Denning. We're talking about the author of the article. And he has a lot of online businesses and multiple sources of income that come through his work there. And that works for some people, but it is not an end all be all. Yeah. And the the slang for that these days is you got to get a side hustle. Yes. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to say that I'm, I'm pretty well set. But I have money on my mind because I keep thinking about updating my will mm-hmm. and all that financial stuff for end of the life stuff. And I think about it, but I don't get it done. So I'm using a lot of mental things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people create when they start thinking about money and turn it into worry about money, they create all these stories in their head and it takes them to places they don't want to be. And so we're saying, look at your spiritual principles and what we believe about financial freedom. And it's not that we don't, we're not aware of money. We definitely want to understand money, how our finances are, keep our mind on it and evaluate it, but don't let it rule your thinking. Exactly. Knowing that you have within you the ability to create whatever it is you need to do, then the place is using that power of will to make the choices and then doing it, using that power of will to get out there and do it, make it happen, like get that will rewritten. Don't just think about it. And what's interesting is research suggests that people of tremendous wealth still worry about money. Yes. Yes, they do. The next one is understand human motivation to solve most problems in your head. And we would say most problems in our consciousness. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. definitely. Consciousness and brain as synonyms. And we are not in that camp. Right. Yeah. And it says many people play a tug of war in their heads when a life situation doesn't go their way. There's a lot of buts associated yeah. with that, where I wish I had. They yeah. think, why me? Why me? Wow. Victim consciousness. Victim consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, so the solution is to understand human motivation. Mm-hmm. Important to understand why people are doing what it is they're doing. And I think it starts with yourself. I mean, we can't control other people. And so we were talking about this today, in fact, how people get get themselves all bent out of shape because another person isn't doing what they want them to do. Yes. Like, for example, if if you get mad because people don't remember your birthday and you get all upset and hurt and worry about it, my suggestion is about a week before your birthday, start reminding people it's coming. Yeah, yeah, put it on Facebook. You know what you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I do that. I don't even give people a moment to forget my birthday. I start at least a week ahead. Boy, next month, my birthday month, and, yeah. you know, the 12th will be the birthday. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll start before 
because I want to celebrate my birthday and I want everybody to be happy. And of course, use diplomacy. (laughs) (laughs) But it is important to recognize that once you understand what triggers other people, that gives you an amount of power that you can begin to create the situations the way you want them to be. You know how to respond to that person. You also understand what might be your triggers, right? I mean, if you understand them in other people, then you, you you have to have some understanding of what's going on with you, right? I mean, right, you know. right. And you know, I'm just going to throw this in as a way to add a little bit of depth to this particular one. You can take all different kind of, of surveys. You can do the Myers Briggs. There's the DISC. There's lots of different tests you can take that sort of give you a viewpoint on how people are different. They have differences in what their preferences are. But once you know that, it really opens up a whole new world to you. Because I remember when I had two managers I had to convince for a project. One was very people-oriented, and I could go in and we'd chit-chat, and he'd just say, great, this sounds good, go for it. And the other one was very technical and needed everything in order, which is not the way I like to present things. Mm -hmm. And I never got what I needed from him, and it was always a fight. And when I learned the power of understanding how he wants to receive material, it literally transformed my experience. Now, I did not necessarily enjoy preparing it the way he wanted, but it made the situation go faster. And to be honest, I got better because it made me more detail-oriented. Yeah, and so if you want to know about your own motivation, you got to get clear on what your why is. Why are you here? Why are you doing what you're doing? And that's going to help you sort out when options come your way. Yeah, and Paul, I'm I'm glad you brought up the why part because there's certainly something to be said when you look at the, I'll say, polarity that fits into this. The polarity I'm talking about is, as you look at the uh, propensities and incentives, then you look at what outcome is based. Yeah. Those two things. Mm. Yeah. And so it's it's not that a, a certain incentive or propensity causes a particular outcome, but they highly influence that outcome. Mm. Yeah. So he quotes somebody, Charlie Munger, that says, show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome. Yeah. 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 And I'm not sure it's connected as strongly as that, but it certainly is a guideline. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, it can help you get the outcome you want to get if you understand the person's incentive. Yeah. Uh, so in that way, I guess that would be it, it's how you respond, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. It's always how you respond and be sure you're cleaning up your reactiveness. Yep. Oh, I like that. Clean up your reactiveness. <laughs> That's a little meme. <laughs> it is. It is. So the next one is don't let personal experiences lie to your face. And I've often said that people tell themselves, including me, I call them dirty little lies to let me do things that I probably shouldn't be doing. So he actually quotes another person. He's a finance author. His name is Morgan Housel. Your personal experiences make up maybe, I don't even know what that is, but it's 0.000001% of what's happened in the world, but maybe 80% of how you think the world works, how you think the Mm. world works, right? And we had a little bit of that from last week where we were talking about, he was sharing that the world isn't necessarily fair. But (laughs) if we think it's fair, then we're not even in alignment with what's going on. Yeah. 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 
And I like how he says the fastest way to let your mind lie to you is to think the few tiny experiences you've had in life give factual evidence for how the world works. Yeah. And we call that in science anecdotal. Yes. Yes. And it also is what creates that cognitive bias or uh, and dissonance. dissonance. Yeah. Confirmation bias and cognitive. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. And I think sometimes it really does based on one experience we've had, we allow that to color everything else we see. Yeah. And in fact, that's kind of how our consciousness and brain work is that we we seek out patterns. And once we see a pattern, we assume that's how it's always being. He says, seeing something two times doesn't count as a precedent or a pattern, (laughs) but we might automatically do that. And so we want to be aware of that. Nope. Yeah. And, and and that's the difference when you think about it, about having either an internal locus of control or an external locus of control. Yes. Indeed. Who's in charge? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think it has something to do with whether we are interoceptive, that we're mostly focused on what's going on within us, or exteroceptive, and we're mostly focused on what's going around in the world beyond our skin. So having these awarenesses is really important as we go through life. And from a spiritual perspective, just to throw this in, apply that to your own personal experiences with religion versus spirituality and new practices that you start to try out and you have one bad experience with meditation, for example, and then you say, I can't meditate. That's not for me. Instead of looking at a broader perspective and being able to try it out. I remember one quote that says, try something you fear three times, once just to do it, the second time to find out uh, how how it really works for you, and the third time to decide, do I want to keep doing it or not? (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. I think you need to say that again. I don't know if I can do it, because I was trying to remember the quote as I was saying it. I didn't say it exactly right, but something that you fear. And I think the same thing would work for some new idea or practice you're trying. Do it once just to have the experience. Do it the second time to really get into it and see how it feels to you and learn more about it. And then the third time to make a decision about it. Yes, that that is really, really good. So are we ready to go on to the next one? I think we are. The next one is practice brutal Deep thinking. Well, we don't have any problem in that, do we? <laughs> no, that we call that deep dive, and we do it very well, I believe. We do. A lot of days are spent doing shallow thinking, worrying, giving into desire, being upset with people, thinking about the future, thinking too much about our next meal. Well, that one I don't agree with. <laughs> You know, I like to think about my next meal. Right. That's not shallow, right? (laughs) Right. right. It could be life transforming, actually. It could. It could. Mentally tough people spend more time being aware of their mind's limits. And I would say being more of the limits of their consciousness, of our consciousness. And we're not just thinking about it. We are questioning it, aren't we? Yes. 
And I think being aware, well, his next paragraph actually says what I was thinking, that uh, they hold a wide range of perspectives on most things until they have direct experience that helps inform their narrative better. And they question everything. And our listeners know we talk about questioning unquestioned answers all the time. And he says primarily biases, thoughts, and beliefs. No, I think it's cool that he added biases there. Because mm-hmm. we mostly talk about thoughts and beliefs, which really sometimes determine our biases. But if we're just looking coldly at our biases, we might get a little more traction faster. And you could say that, you know, people are absolutely entitled to their biases, just not their facts. Yes. <laughs> yes. And these days, the facts become very questionable. <laughs> you have to kind of almost prove your facts with yeah. more facts. Well, and and that goes right back to the previous one we just looked at. You might have two experiences, but those don't make a fact. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. They're two experiences, exactly that. But that doesn't mean the, w- the way it's always going to be. And, it's- and your environment has a lot to do with how what your experiences are. Yes. So if you're consistently putting yourself in a group where certain things are certain viewpoints are held a certain way, then you're going to constantly receive that information to support it. And your whole filter bubble is going to be affected by that. That's right. Do you want to say something more about filter bubble? Maybe you have a new listener. What What do we mean by filter bubble? Well, well, when we talk about filter bubble, we're talking about the information that you receive. And it's actually an internet term that we've sort of hijacked and expanded. But like if you go to Google and Google a question and I go to Google and Google the same question, our results will come up differently based on the logarithms, based on what we've searched before who we tend to listen to, they pick up on that. And it creates a bubble of information we receive that continues to support what we've already believed. Yeah. And, and not even be exposed to something different. Right. And so a filter bubble is based on our current beliefs, both those we are aware of and those we are unaware of. Right. So what I'm aware of, we're probably coming up on time. <laughs> so I think we're going to switch to the absolute word. And of course, as always, the absolute word is based on Sunday messages appearing in Daily Word, a copyrighted Unity publication, and has been used with permission. So this comes from Sunday, December 4th. And of course, we're in the Sundays of December, so we're talking about Advent. So this is December 4th. The word is peace, and the affirmation is Centered in my divinity, I am a peaceful presence. Let's just say that right now. I am a peaceful presence. That's what I'd like you to carry with you. Stepping away from the busyness of my holiday preparations and the important work that must be completed before year's end, I continue my Advent journey by practicing peace in the present moment wherever I am. I am gracious with store clerks, servers, anyone and everyone. I add positive, peaceful thoughts to conversations. When I'm traveling, I bless other drivers with whom I share the road and my fellow passengers on public transportation. Peace flows from that place in my consciousness where I synchronize my humanity with my divinity. My divinity fills my awareness. 
The principle of peace, like all principles, is innate and always available. I need not find a quiet corner. Whenever I choose, anywhere is a peaceful sanctuary. Wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, I am a peaceful presence. Centered in my divinity, I am a peaceful presence. Again, to take that with you, just say, I am a peaceful presence. And so this is the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck signing off, saying thank you for listening. Goodbye, friends. Goodbye. This is Reverend Dr. Cher Holton, also saying thank you in peace. Ciao, friends. And this is the Reverend Dr. Bill Holton. And the three of us invite you to always remember this week that you are a peaceful presence, so affirm it often. 